All right, y'all. Let's bring this series to an end. Um, we've been doing a series called Born Again all summer long. Um, and what we've, we've done is we've, we've kind of tried to take this, this illustration, this premise that says, again, if you've been with us the whole summer, you've heard this about 20 times. So you're like, oh, I get it. But if you're new, you're here for the first time or maybe the first couple times. We've said this. I was born in the South. I mean, anybody else born in the South? Okay. Some of y'all took that way too far already. I was just making a statement of fact, right? Some of y'all are like, South rules! But I'm just saying I was born in the South. Knoxville, Tennessee, Rocky Top. Yeah, you'll always be home sweet home to me. Good old Rocky Top. Come on, Rocky Top. Okay, that's enough. All right. I was born there. And so what I've said, we've said this from the very beginning, that because I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, in the South, you know, it, I'm marked by that, right? Um, I don't think I have an accent, but I've been to other parts of the country and world and found out that apparently I do, y'all, <laughs> right? So I eat certain foods, I talk a certain way, I dress a certain way. Just my life, I'm a Southerner, right? But what we said is this. If I had been born, say, in India, would my life look different? Absolutely, right? Like I would eat different food. I would talk a different language. I would dress differently. Um, I don't want to get too crazy, but I would use the bathroom differently because they squat over there and we use the toilet, right? So my, my point is my life would be different if I was physically born in a different place. And so what we've said, and this is a challenge, right? Because I think sometimes in church, we're just so glad you're here that we don't want to challenge you to actually follow Jesus. But what we've said is, if we've been born again, I didn't make that phrase up. I know that phrase has been overused, and it's caused a lot of people to like, ugh, born again. That's just fundamental stuff. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you're not with me, right? So he uses the phrase, not me. So if we've been born again from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the challenge this whole series has been our lives cannot nor should not look the same, right? So I'm not going to recap the whole thing. I just want you to know that we've talked for about nine, I think it's week nine, it's like the previous eight weeks, we've talked about just marks of what does a born-again life look like, Right? And so we've talked about Christian fellowship. That's one of the things we talked about. Like we, bad company corrupts good morals, and it doesn't mean that we suddenly say, hey, good luck world, right? It just means that the people that speak into your life should be people that are following the same Jesus you are. And when they speak into your life, it, it encourages us. We grow. It strengthens who we are so that we can reach out to people who aren't yet following Jesus. See what I'm saying? I mean, as long as I'm making you uncomfortable, we talked about giving. Yay. Preacher, take my money, right? That, like, you, you can't, uh, I can't, I can't, I can't stay on this, but I'll just hammer it really quickly. You can't say that I was a sinner bound for eternity apart from God, and Jesus saved my life in such a dramatic way 
that I've now been transformed and transferred to an entire kingdom that is different than what I was. I was going to destruction, and now I'm going to life, and I'm so different now that I'm going to give God a tip. That's not the born-again life. So when you're following Jesus and you're born again, like, we don't get jacked up over things like tithing and giving more. We, we actually want to live in a way that we can give more because Jesus gave everything. Are you with me? Okay, so today is the last one. And I've been thinking through, like, all week praying. Um, hang, hung, out, hung out with Cecil. We got coffee. I was like, Cecil, what do I do, right? Because what we've experienced in the, in the last week with Nehemiah Parr passing while I recognize, and we love Renee, we love the Parr family, we recognize that's, that's hard for their family, but it's also been a body blow. Y'all feel it? And it's like something about me just getting up and going, so let's just take on the next topic, just felt weird. But I, but I know we need to wrap this message up, and so as I, this series, so as I was praying this week, like, God, what's, what's the way, how do we end it? How do we end it in a way that recognizes where we are as a church, what we've experienced, what the pars have experienced, what a lot of people in our, in our church are feeling right now, which is basically we were praying for God to do one thing, and then we got body blowed, and something else happened. How do we handle that? And as I thought about that, I thought about the very first marathon that I ever ran. I know you're looking at me like, what? You've run a marathon? I mean, I'm using the word run loosely here. But the very first marathon I ran, um, I was just cruising along, y'all. It was so good. I was in Richmond, Virginia. It was a nice day. The whole family was there. They were, like, cheering me on. It was awesome. I did it to honor my brother on what would have been his 40th birthday. And, and it was awesome, right? I mean, I just was running along. If, you, if you're not a runner, this won't make any sense. But if you are a runner, you just kind of get in that, that, you just kinda get in that mode where you're like, yeah, I could run forever. I could run forever. And I felt that way until something happened at, like, mile 21, that I've never experienced in my life until that moment. How many of you have ever woken up in the middle of the night with like a, a cramp, a Charlie horse? Aren't they the worst? What do you do? <laughs> Cecil's like, I scream. Um, maybe you jump out of bed, right? Maybe you start walking around, and if you like married, and your spouse is like, what, what is wrong with you? You can't even talk. You're just like, ow. I, just, I, I got at mile 21, I got cramps in both legs from here to my feet and and I remember like there are certain places you run through and like your family's there cheering you on and you want to look super strong so you just like suck it up and you know and then once you're gone you're like oh this is awful right <laughs> but at mile 21 when the cramps hit that wasn't where the family was I don't think there was even anybody around and I remember at mile 21, and it lasted till about mile 23, for two miles just walking and, and wanting just to cry. And wanting just to sit down and text Wendy and say, come pick me up, I'm done. It was just the worst feeling I've ever felt in my life. And I, and I think that that might be where we are today. Hebrews chapter 12, let me just read this to you. Verses 1 through 3, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, he's just talked about all these witnesses in Hebrews 11, right? 
We could name a lot of these people, Moses, Abraham, all these people. But then he even talks about people that haven't been named, that are in this cloud of witnesses. And, and if we had the time, I could just ask you to start naming people that you know are probably in that cloud. My mom, my brother, right? We, we all know people that are now cheering us on. And because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Your version might say the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I'm not going to talk to you long this morning. I just want to wrap our series up by telling you this. One of the greatest marks of the born-again life is endurance and perseverance. Not like you have to work it up. But it's a promise to us. If we're following Jesus, we're promised that we will finish the race. Here's your big idea. Um, if you're new here, big idea is just me admitting that you won't remember a lot of what I say. But if you can remember this one statement, you're good. Right? And this one happens to rhyme, so it's a cheesy poem. Everybody say cheesy. God help you. Here we go. We'll finish the race no matter what we face. If you're a born-again believer, you will finish the race no matter what you face. When I cramped up at mile 21 and I wanted to call Wendy and just be done, all I kept thinking about was, well, I don't know whose idea it was to wear this T-shirt with my brother's picture on it. I think it was, I think it was my idea. But what a bad idea that was. Because I had pretty much marked myself as somebody running for something greater than myself. I think like you, on your, if, you're, if you've ever run a race, like you get these bibs, not a bib, but like a race bib with your number on it, and you, you can put your name on it, and I had put run for Stephen. I mean, I had marked myself as somebody who had a greater purpose than just even my pain. And so I knew, well, if I quit, then like here I, I stand with a run for Stephen, but now I'm quitting for Stephen, right? Like, yeah, all these things are going through my mind. And so all I could figure out to do at mile 21 was just, I'm just going to keep walking. And I literally walked like this, like Frankenstein. I couldn't bend my knees. Like, I had people coming up going, sir, are you okay? It's like, I would punch you if I could. I, I, I'm trying to catch you till I can't be, you know? <laughs> At some point, y'all, there's a greater purpose than just what we're experiencing in the moment. And I want you to know that you will finish the race no matter what you face. If you're following Jesus, it's a gift that he gives the born-again believer. Listen, a couple of verses, Matthew chapter 24, verses um, 4 through 14 Jesus, I won't read all of it, but he's talking to them about the things that are going to happen towards the end of time. And they're not good, right? 
It's like people are going to betray you. You're going to, there's going to be famines and earthquakes. These are just the beginning of the things that are going to happen. You'll be handed over and put to death. It's bad, y'all. It's the kind of stuff that we don't talk about because nobody would want to follow Jesus. And then he says this at the end. He says, but the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. In the NIV, it says, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then the gospel, this gospel, what gospel? A gospel of people who can be persecuted and yet stand firm. That gospel, not the gospel of I came to church and had some coffee. Although I like coffee. Can I get an amen? Amen. Coffee's not a bad thing. But if our whole existence is I want to go to a church that does it just like I like it, then we'll never be prepared for what we just read about in Matthew 24, all the things that are going to happen, actual persecution that's going to come to the church. And when the persecution comes and the born-again believer stands firm to the end, even if this is what it looks like to stand firm, right? I'm going to get to the end at some point. And if I keep walking like this, someone's going to pick me up and carry me to the end, but I'm going to get to the end if, if that's what marks us. Then people will listen to the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. He's looking for people who can experience a hard thing and keep going. He says in Hebrews, let us throw off. Everything that hinders. We don't have time for y'all to help me preach this message. But what goes through your mind when you think about things that hinder you in your walk with God? I mean, we could do the easy things like media, right? But what if we dig a little deeper inside? Attitudes. I'm scared to say the O word, but I'll say it anyway. Offense. Man, I know a lot of people who are running with Jesus, and they're not running right now. They're just sitting down offended. It's entangled them and hindered them. And he says, throw all of that stuff off. Just throw it off. And throw off the sin that so easily entangles. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8-10 through 10 says this, If we claim to be without sin... And I love that because when I read Hebrews and it says, like, throw off the sin that so easily entangles because I've been in church all my life, I know that some of us are like, I'm good. I am good. I'm running free, baby. I don't have any sin that's entangling me. But then we read that verse that says, if you claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just And he will forgive us our sins and purify us from 98.35% of our unrighteousness. Is that what it says? All. If we'll just confess our sin, if we'll just say, God, there's sin that's tripping me up, that's entangling me, that's trying to pull me down. If we'll just confess it, he says he'll actually purify us from all of it. The enemy wants us to stop when we suffer. But the author of Hebrews says to consider Jesus because he showed us what to do at the cross. Now check this out. Three times at the beginning of Hebrews 12, we're told to consider Jesus. 
I don't know, parents in the room, if you tell your kids the same thing three times in a row, in the same conversation, do you think you're communicating to them, this is really important, right? Three times in the span of about eight verses, the author says to consider Jesus. You know why that is? Because when we face hard times, when we get the body blow, when we just want to sit down and just not ever move again, what the author is saying is this, hey, in that moment, I need you to consider Jesus because he's the author and finisher of your faith, and he also experienced a moment just like this, but a whole lot worse. It was called the cross. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Do you, do you see that word endure? So just to be super clear, what I'm not telling you today is you should be super duper happy that you're facing a hard time. It didn't say that Jesus enjoyed the cross. He endured it for the joy that was on the other side of it. And you and I are a part of that. I I don't know how in love you've ever been. I don't know what kind of crazy things you've done for the people that you're in love with, right? But the people that I know that really fall madly in love with somebody, they will do some crazy stuff, right? Like, don't raise your hand, guys, because I don't want to know who you are, because I'll make you come up here and grab the mic and actually do it. But some of y'all have written some really bad love poems. You have. And you've actually read them out loud, and she's still married to you. It's crazy, right? We do, some, we do some crazy stuff when we're in love. And, and Jesus endured the cross because of you and me. He had a mission to accomplish, and you and I were it. So here's a couple more promises for you, and then we're going to pray. Proverbs 24, 16. Uh, we'll, we'll read 15 and 16. It says, Do not lurk like a thief near the house of the righteous. Do not plunder their dwelling place. Uh, are y'all following that? It's kind of a weird proverb. What he's basically saying is, like, don't go stalk the people that say they're following God and wait on them to fall so you can take their stuff. Next verse says, because though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Um, I, don't get caught up on the number seven. The important part, important, the important part, the important part of that verse is that however many times the righteous fall, they're going to get up one more. They rise again. It's a promise. You don't have to try to work it up. It's not on you. It's on God. He called you. You've been born again through his spirit, through his grace, and now he's going to give you what you need to get back up. That's so good. Because I don't know how you feel right now, but I don't always feel like getting back up. Sometimes I feel like my whole life is cramping, right? It's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. It's so hard. And you know what I've found? So I've run four marathons. I use the word run loosely again. But three of those, I've cramped in both legs at the exact same place in the race. I've changed my diet. I've changed my training. Three out of four times, and the only time I didn't cramp on the fourth one was I was so badly out of shape, I just basically walked the whole thing. <laughs> Texting Wendy as I was doing it. She's like, how's it going? It's great. It's fantastic. It's just taking forever. 
But when I actually ran marathons, three, the three that I actually ran, I cramped the same time, every, every place, every time. I don't know if it's even possible to not cramp if you want to get to the end. And that's the key, right? Do we want to get to the end? So the longer you run, the more you want to endure, the more likely you are to have to endure. We were talking about this before service. It's crazy how, like, perseverance and endurance, we all want it, right? But the only way to get perseverance and endurance is to have to persevere and endure. That's what we don't want, right? I just want a miracle, God, but don't put me in a situation that demands a miracle. I want faith, God, but don't make me have to have faith. Like the only way to, to get these things is to be in the positions where we need them. And what I want you to see is this, that because you're a born-again follower of Jesus, you have what it takes from him to rise again. We have what it takes to get up off the mat after the body blow and continue forward. Ephesians 1, 14, 13 and 14 says this, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. What that means is if you're here today and you're trusting Jesus with your salvation, this promise is for you, right? The gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who were God's possession to the praise of his glory. And we could get into all kinds of conversations. What does it mean to have a deposit? What does it mean to guarantee? Can I just tell you this? I've bought a couple houses in my life, and you have to put a down payment to get that house. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is your down payment, guaranteeing your inheritance. We know that those who persevere to the end will be saved. He has given you what you need to get back up and continue following Jesus. He didn't give you what you need just to sit down and quit. I personally believe you could choose to do that if you wanted to, but why would you? Why would we quit when we have such a powerful promise that those who endure to the end will be saved? I know what we're facing as a body, right? I don't necessarily know what you're facing individually. But I know that you're here this morning, and you've got things in your life that want to entangle you. You've got things that you need to throw off. You've got things in your life that want to make you stop running the race. And I want you to know this. The way that we finish this race, he said, keep your eyes on who? Jesus. I used to read this like I'm running a race and Jesus is way far off. And I just need to keep my eyes on him. And if I just keep looking at him, I'll eventually get there. And it is true. Sometimes the longer you run, you just have to pick a point and keep running to it. But now when I read this, it's like, wait, I know that Jesus is with me. So I, he's like literally going, let's go. Come on. You can do it. He's with us. And today I want you just to examine your life. Would you close your eyes and do that? Would you just take a, a snapshot of your life right now, and would you ask yourself this question, 
Those of you watching online, do this as well with me. Ask yourself this question. Are my eyes on Jesus? Or are they on everything else but Jesus? And when you look in the face of Jesus, what you see is is a Savior who, who knows you. He knows me. He understands where we are. But he doesn't understand where we are and just come alongside us and go, you know what? You're right. This is so hard. Let's just sit down here and stop. You're looking into the face of a Savior who endured the cross. He knew the price. And he did it. That's a hand I can put my hand in. I can take his hand and say, hey, Jesus, you just lead me, right? You just lead me where you want me to go. I don't always title my messages, but this morning's title is Get Up and Run. And it's specific to us as a body for sure, but it's prophetic to the whole culture that just wants to sit down and stop. And you're not called to sit down and stop. You're called to get up and run. And so this morning, I want to pray over you. Can I do that? Can I pray over you? Would you if you're here and you're like, I'm, I'm, I so just want to sit and stop. And this is such a timely message for me. God made sure that I was here because I needed to hear that encouragement that I'm going to finish the race if I'll just get up and keep going. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me? You can open your eyes. We're not going to hide. Our, this is that's good stuff. It's for everybody, right? So many of us this morning, this is what we need. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Can we, can we do the surrounded song? Is that cool? Don't you love when they, they, the band didn't do such a good job this morning? Awesome. Now, I don't want to freak you out, okay? But I'm going to be bold. So if you raise your hand, do you mind just standing up where you are? And let me tell you why I'm asking you to stand up. You can go ahead and stand up. Because we believe this is a church. That I think it's, it's probably a sin to allow people to go through hard times alone. Right? This is what the body does. So we're not, I didn't do that to embarrass any of y'all, right? I did that so people could know who you were. Because while they start to sing, I'm going to ask people to come and stand around you. I should have asked you if that was okay, but I'm pretty sure it is. And they're just going to stand, and they're just going to pray over you. We're, we're so, our culture has got us believing the lie that unless a pastor lays his hand on me, it didn't work. And I'm just convinced, I want to break that, right? One, because there's a lot of better prayers in this room than me. And two, it's not on me. It's on the body to minister to the body. And so if you're comfortable with that, just be in the body, which is also a mark of the born-again believer, loving the body, then as they start to sing that we're surrounded, I want you to move and just surround these people. I want you just to pray with them. You don't have to know their name. And if you don't know their name, don't be super spiritual like, I'm praying for you, brother. Just say, hey, what's your name? I felt like that was such good teaching. Just ask them their name and then pray for them by name, right? 
that God would do for them what we've talked about, that they would know the power of the Holy Spirit that is a deposit guaranteeing their inheritance, that we win the race, y'all, if we just get up and keep running. And I'll tell you this before we start to sing and pray, that every single marathon and ultras that I've done where I experience cramps Guess what happens if you just keep moving and also eating gummy bears and drinking water and Gatorade? Guess what happens? Two or three miles later, the cramps are gone. And you run across the finish line. I've never walked like this across a finish line. They they go away. And I'm telling you that are standing, that's going to happen for you as well. God is going to be faithful. He always is. And you're going to find yourself suddenly just full of the power of the Holy Spirit if you just keep going. Isaiah says this, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And the the Hebrew word for wait does not mean those who sit on the side of the road. It's an active waiting. It's those who continue to do what they know they should be doing while they wait for God to come through. They'll renew their strength. And as you get up and start to move, Whatever that looks like in your life, you're going to find the power of the Holy Spirit accompanying you and giving you strength to get up and run. Church, if you're comfortable, would you just begin to find somebody that's standing and just put your hand on their shoulder. Listen, don't date them. Just put your hand on their shoulder. would you just begin to pray if you don't even know what to pray just do this hey God that stuff that Paul was talking about for the last 20 minutes or so will you do that for them just do that for them God fill them with the spirit of God show them that they have a deposit guaranteeing the finish line give them strength God to get back up and run I pray that you would open their eyes to see that those who were For them are more than those who are against them. I pray that you would surround them, God, with your presence. Even as they're surrounded now by the body, I pray that you would surround them with your presence, God. Fill them with hope and encouragement. And that when we start to walk out of this place today, God, that they would know that they do not walk alone. Pain is real, God. The desire to want to sit down and stop is real. Body blows hurt. And yet, God, you have called us as a church to get up and move. Get up and run. Rise up and build. It's not because you don't understand how we feel. It's because you endured the cross. You know how we feel. And you know that there's a prize worth pressing toward. All across the room, God, right now, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit moving through the body to the body.